Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I wanted to remind you to check in on the Lunchbox Radio Instagram page and the Lunchbox Radio YouTube page because I will be uploading the bi-weekly Sunday editions up on YouTube as YouTube videos. They're nothing too fancy, just another place you can go and you can hear me and you can actually see my face. Um, but on that note, let's get right into what we're talking about this week, and that's a little show called... Um, oh, and also be sure to check out the last episode of the podcast, which are respectively um, High Card, which is the last Thursday edition of the show, and the last Sunday edition of the show is all about horror tropes in popular anime. Think like Jujutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man, Bleach, the likes. Um, but so definitely go check out those episodes. But what we're talking about this week is a little show by the name of, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. Mono Nono Gatari.
の絆にこの恋を宿そう So before we get into the show proper, I want to do a little bit of like scene setting here because this this show deals with a very specific aspect of Japanese spirituality that is not it's not not touched on often, but isn't focused on quite in the way that this show focuses on it. But before that, I want to bring up a um, book. That I really like that um, I've had for a number of years. I don't remember when I bought it. I could probably... Nope, I ripped the sticker off it. Or the sticker got ripped off at some point. But it's this book called A Year in Japan. And it's by Kate T. Williamson. Um, definitely go check it out. It's a... It's a it's an easy read. It's a bunch of little stories um, accompanied by a bunch of different... Um, it, uh, a g- bunch of different kind of charming illustrations uh, that go along with those stories. But one of the things that it alludes to, that lots of Japanese media and lots of things about Japan allude to, it's this kind of general, general understanding that things have souls, things have spirits, things have, things are endowed like actual physical objects are endowed with meaning by the people who use them and generally those things are not like are not and this doesn't exclude these things but they are not things like say an Amazon home or an Alexa or any or a smart speaker of any kind they're like they're not necessarily your cell phone either what they are more is the stuff that you tend to use kind of every day. And I believe it's a Shinto, um, it's a Shinto, um, principle of, like, everything has a soul. And that usually refers to things like, like, rocks and trees and, like, nature. It's meant to make you honor nature more, and be aware, more aware of nature. Um, a great, another great example of this is kind of the it, of the kind of thing I'm talking about, but in a less specific way is um, Natsumi's Book of Friends, where you see all these like mystical spirits who are all attached to something of some in some way. But this show, the at least the corner concept that they use is kind of a wrapper for this show has to do with that, like, spirituality of everyday objects and almost giving everyday objects almost a personhood and a, and a life of their own. And you see that in the way that the, um, I, forget, the I think they call them the, the Tsukiyomai, um, For these, for these spirits that can be, um, yeah, the the Sukiyom, the Sukiyomogami, um, 
are spirits that are generally nonviolent, and they are spirits that are attached to an object of some kind. So, and usually an object of significance to a person at some point. There's a character who you meet um, at some point in the show who is the the Sukiyomogami of a more of a of a mortar and pestle, essentially. A, a bigger one than just, like, the one you use for medication, for children's medication. Like, a big mortar and pestle that's got a big spinning wheel. Um, there's a specific name for that, but I forget it. But a fair amount of the characters in this show are these malevolent spirits who are mostly easygoing. And the, the a big point this show makes... Straight off the bat, it says, like, look, most of these things are not going to fuck you up. Every once in a while, one will kill a bunch of people. And for that, they have these, they have this almost class of, like, exorcists or, um, I forget, I forget what the show's, um, uh, I, these are some hard Japanese words, um, a, Saname, and they are essentially what they're doing is a, what they're doing looks a lot like what um, you see Soul Reapers do. The second job of Soul Reapers do in Bleach, in that they basically perform ascending. In the case of um, of our main character Hayoma, a forced ascending in most cases to banish the spirits from the object. And they do this in... They do this in... Cases... in Many times in cases where they discover a spirit who's either struggling in this world and is about to flip their wig or has already snapped and has killed a bunch of people. And their job is to maintain balance and maintain order and... But also, in a broader way, their job is to kind of maintain real balance. Not balance in the sense of the humans are, are, to, the, are, to, the, are to be advantaged here. But what this story also does is it introduces all kinds of concepts to complicate that. And through all the concepts that it that it's working with, it does something really interesting that it doesn't, that it straight out tells you with the main, with the main character, with Hayama. The story tells you that Hayama has issues with trusting people. And he has issues with trusting, A, the Tsukiyoma, is what I'm going to call him, from, the, the spirits of stuff. He's, he does not trust them in the least because his, only family, his older brother and older sister were killed by a suki by a by a malevolent spirit, the spirit of a paper umbrella. Or what and the way the show refers to these spirits is it doesn't refer to them as a, it refers to them as the. So the spirit so the paper umbrella spirit killed his essentially whole family. And you understand that this that the that the Kunato family had been doing this for generations, and it was it was already a matter of time before 
Hayama became the ne- became the next person to a run the family and b like hunt spirits for hunt spirits as a profession almost and that happens quick that happens quicker when his brother and sister who were considered prodigies get killed in the process of not even necessarily subduing and sealing a spirit, more trying to negotiate with it. And it's very clear that they that they were killed in a way that's like not not kosher. Like it's it's the what happened to them is a well known thing and Hayama is a well known figure in this show's universe because of what happened to his older brother and older sister. And also because after you'll find out later in the show uh, actually, you'll find out. Pre- uh, you'll find out later in the season, not necessarily later in the show, because I, I, this show has been yay approved for another season. That after Hayo Hayo Hayoma's family dies, he essentially goes rogue. He just like slides off the side of the earth and just goes on a spirit hunting and killing spree, and he manages to kill some of the more powerful spirits that people know to exist. And he... But but in the way that... sometimes you're not sure if someone is responsible for something, many people don't understand that, like, oh, the, the, like, teenage kid who lost his only family to these spirits murdered this giant one in the south that was a problem by himself and the people who realize that no don't take this guy lightly the people who don't regret it pretty quickly (laughs) and so that's kind of his primer for not trusting these oftentimes docile not harmful spirits. Spirits who could harm people. Spirits who have the ability to transform their bodies in some way that mimics the thing that the like the object they that they were when their owners still used them. So um an example of this is there's a minor there's like a minor rabid malevolent spirit who you see late um in like the last third of the first season, who has big, like gangly, like a big gangly, like spiky jaw. And when he sealed, you realize that he was a um, women's decorative comb. <laughs> and you're like, oh, comb man got sealed. That makes me sad. But, um, and they're all, and they're also all kinds of spirits for things. Like that you meet a whole little group who gets their ass kicked pretty quickly of characters who were devices of torture, who were like like a a sawhorse and like a, a razor blade and like really fucked up shit. And part of the reason why they are so bad is because in their lives, their purpose was to torture and kill people. And so in, in their lives as objects, their purpose was to torture and kill people. That's what they were used for. So once they become spirits, they seek, and this is a this is a popular thing 
for these spirits. This is a common thing for these spirits to do. They they continue to pursue their their goal, which is to torture and kill people. And Kuni and um, the main character Hayuma doesn't see the value in like in letting any of the of these spirits just exist. He encounters one and he seals it with extreme and almost joyous hatred towards them and prejudice towards them. Only his grandfather, um, a character named who is a, who is a much more powerful summon who's the current head of the Saname family, who's the current head of the Kunio Saname family. Um, I forget his name. Um, but he he recognizes that as Hayama is at the very in the very beginning of the show, he cannot be the head of the family. It would be a nightmare. Like it would be a problem. He would he would wage war on the spirit world in a way that's not equal, in a way that's not balanced, in a way that that doesn't that is harmful, not beneficial. Especially in the world that you come to kind of get glimpses of throughout this show, that is revealed to be a very cooperative one. And the reason why it's revealed to be a very cooperative one is because of the next main character, the the the, the female main character, a character named Nagasuki Botan. And Nagasuki Botan is um, a specific kind of person in this world, and she's what's called a Moribito. And the Moribito are said to be kind of like, are said to be like spirit whisperers. They're said to be people who can, who spirits feel a national, a natural kinship with and feel an urge to serve and are attracted to because they have so much spiritual power that some some spirits just want to get close to them other uh, and, and and feel like a warmth and affection towards them other spirits want to kill them and take that power for themselves only botan hasn't awakened yet and as a kind of unique interesting measure of protection the Nagasuki family is made up entirely of these spirits. Almost entirely of these spirits. It's Botan at the center, and then the people surrounding and protecting her are spirits of various items. Like, there's one character who's, um, let me find him, who's the spirit of, Nagi is the spirit of a samurai sword. Um, there's another character who's a ink spirit. And another character who's the spirit of a of a traditional one of those traditional round Japanese mirrors. Yu is another Nagasuki um character another Nagasuki family member who's the spirit of a hairpin. And they have spent they have spent their lives essentially they've spent their lives as spirits essentially guarding her since she was a small child. She has grown up into a like a young twenty something woman or young or young or like young like older maybe seventeen to nineteen year old teenager. I get the sense that they're probably in their twenties. Um 
Let me double check that actually. But a young 20 something to like, let's say 17 to 21 year old has grown up with them as like her support group, with them as her family. Especially since her family, you come to find out, has tried to play her as a pawn in this world of Saname. Because the essentially the person who controls this girl will for a time have control over the entire spirit world. And there is there's a bunch of things they refer to in this show as unwritten laws laws. And one of the unwritten laws is no one shall make use of Nagasuki of Nagasuki Botan. And what that essentially states, it says, as soon as somebody tries to use this girl, they get got. Like that, and we've all agreed that it's not a good idea. It's kind of fucked up, and we need to stop this from happening. And in many ways, the Nagasuki household has created an opportunity for that to happen, even because she is protected by all of these spirits around her, who she's come to, like, love as a family. And that's the kind of background of this thing. The deal with this show is that it's got a strong, like, early aughts shoujo vibe in that it, it fe- it's got almost like a fruits basket kind of feeling in that you've you you're seeing almost from the outside, not quite from the outside, but almost from the outside through through Hayama's like as your main character, this family dynamic that is caring and beautiful, but is also has a purpose behind it, and that yes, Nagasuki, yes, Botan realizes like she has grown up for her entire life with this kind of lingering with lingering eyes following her at all times at all times and the show does this really creepy thing and i i understand this in a way because as a as a physically disabled person who has been physically disabled for my entire life and has just gone through the world you catch people staring at you you catch people looking at you you catch you catch people's eyes like wandering towards you and I had a girlfriend in college who had a real problem with it and it was starting to like get to her and we were out we were out drinking um in a in a town by me actually and it was it was like a summer night and there were a bunch of drunk idiots and I walked past and I I honestly have grown not to notice these things but she got so angry at some frat bro because he was just like sneering at me and just staring at my arm and like muttered something under his breath. She's like, why, why don't you do anything about that? I'm like, if I did anything, if I did something about every single one of these pieces of shit who says something like that, I've ne- I'd, I'd pass out every day from exhaustion. I would never get anything done. Because that, 
when there is something truly different or extraordinary about you, there's a... And and rich guys will have this conversation, too, in a more assholey way, but it's also still true often. A, a great example of it is um, the actor who... Bobby Axelrod's character talks about this in Billions, actually. When I walk into a room, there's a kind of way that just me existing as a combination of things forces people to look at me. And in Botan's case, the incredible potential as like a spiritual control device draws attention to her. No matter what she does, no matter how she acts, she and often and she's not a very she's not like a wallflower. She's a regular girl in this entire thing, but she very um she's very normal by by the standards uh, that the show present puts forward. But once you see this fat once Hayoma is presented with this fact by one of the members of the Nagasuki clan that eyes are following her constantly and that she has lived under under that like constant watch her entire life. You at that point you really start to get what this show is. You really start to get what this show is about. And then by the end of the show, the show just straight out tells you this show is about trust. This show is about people who, two, two people who at their core cannot trust other people, cannot trust the world around them. And I'm watching, uh, I just caught myself up on uh, My Hero because I thought that the, like, visual anti-Deku arc might be interesting, and I was right, it was interesting. But what... That show portrayed really well. They portrayed this hard betrayal of trust by that universe's world in a really hard and fast way, where everything falls apart in a really dramatic way. But the truth of how people fall out of trust of the world is much gentler. It's much more personal. It's much more... And in a way, it's much more tragic that way. So, whereas... Hayuma grew up learning the correct way to deal with with these spirits and learning the correct way to interface with these spirits and even if a, you encounter a malevolent spirit, a spirit who is has some sort of hatred or animus towards the world, you should negotiate with it and healing... Healing is the big stick not the carrot. And then that trust was betrayed and he died and his and his family was taken from him as a result, which is the like spark that creates this hatred for these spirits in his, in him. Um the show asks this question of how do you live after that happened to you? How do you live after your biolo after your biological uncle tries to sell you for money and and doesn't succeed purely because your non biological aunt his his 
your step aunt essentially saves you from being sold and tries and tries to live with you as her child and then she's ultimately killed because of what you were born as not even something you control not even something that you are right now but what you will become in the future is that valuable to people how do you live after that what what happens to you internally and what the show by the end essentially says is you learn to adopt a mask botan by the end of the show has adopted this mask of like fun cutesy like carefree not real care for people like she, the people she cares for are the members of the Nagatsuki clan and eventually Hayama because he is he kind of slots into that once he realizes that he can trust these spirits these spirits are not the are not the correct he has his anger has such a wide angle that it encompasses all spirits. Part of the reason why his grandpa sent him to live with these people with the Nagasuki clan is so that that anger could narrow towards the ones who are bad, the ones who are deserving of that anger, the ones who threaten the ones who threaten safety and lives. And the ones who are a little lost, a little scared, the ones who are oftentimes the ones, in the case of humans, who are doing bad things but aren't bad people, have the potential to be negotiated with and saved. And yes, that stuff goes sideways, but it's better if you talk somebody down off the ledge instead of just automatically pushing them and catching them in a cell on the way down, basically. And this show, from both Botan's perspective and Hayama's perspective, says, how do, you how do you live after that, after something so tragic, after something so affirming of your worst hopes, of your worst thoughts about what the world could be how do you get how do you move on from that and um the the but one of the great things about this show is that the, because of like the unwritten laws and like all this like mysticism that's happening here um a through the show's unique art style which is once again really has a real early aughts shoujo vibe almost. It's got a lot of pastel colors and not the I think the brightest color that pops is the red of um Hayuma's scarf. That vibe mixed with the way they style the Nagasuki clan, the Nagasuki family, because the Nagasuki family is and all of the families and all the families of Saname or like who are involved in the spirit world are patterned, are kind of seen in an almost Yakuza clan-esque, an almost ya crime, Japanese crime family-esque way. There's another um, 
another family that you encounter later on in the show. Um, what's their name? But it it has that same like criminal vibe. That same criminal vibe. The 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 Katamori family. The head of the Katamori family just straight up looks like a yakuza boss. Like he looks. Like the head of like a yakuza family, uh, and they they kind of function like it too. They have territory. They have specialties that they all they all have their fingers in. For example, the Katamori family has a fashion magazine it puts out every <laughs> fucking quarter. They they like run a fashion house. It's very weird and very funny. Um, but one of the more interesting things about this show is they they do something that a lot of these shows don't do in that that thing about the spirit spirituality of everyday objects swings both ways so instead of like like a, a character like um like Kai or like Nagi because he's the spirit of a samurai sword, he can like turn, he can like create a samurai swords from at will. But characters like Hayama don't use like a sword. It's not like they have a sword packed down to the family that like like the demon cleaver or something. There's only one character who uses any the thing something close to a traditional weapon. And that's Tsubaki, the daughter and the daughter of Taiju Katamori, the head of the Katamori clan or the Katamori family. And she basically generates a giant scythe that is composed entirely of uh, entirely of ceiling talismans, and she can control ceiling talismans, which is like extreme precision in a way that most people can't. But the thing that Hyoma uses, and I found this really interesting, and they and the every and and every character in this show, once they see him pull these things out, they recognize them and they're like instantly fucking afraid because of what they're capable of. He uses what he uses door poles. So that sounds weird, but if you've ever seen a Japanese a traditional Japanese door, oftentimes they have a circle that. Or used to pull the door open and shut. Now, oftentimes they'll just be like a dent, like a indentation. But in older households, they would be, or in more high-end households, there would be these ornate patterned discs, like metal discs, with like pink, with like that were a pattern, but you could still like get your fingers in and pull them in either direction. Over time, for the um. For the for the Kunato family, these door poles gained this kind of spiritual significance, and they've gained this kind of unique power, and that is this power to erase. I think that I couldn't find. I saw it. I saw it the first time, and I can't find it. I haven't found it in the show since. But if you watch the show, you'll see it. it the Legend went that if you entered this room with these door poles, you didn't come out. <laughs> you just didn't come out. And that's the kind of, like, spooky, weird nightmare shit 
that you see all over stuff like Pokemon, and you see over all over a lot of like Japanese folklore that's just kind of like eerie and spooky and oh noy. That is commonplace, and as a result, when the the house, when the doors and the house the doors belong to had long had long deteriorated, the door poles remain because they're a because they're metal. And B, because they have this spiritual quality to them. And they're the only thing that remains of this room that just ate shit. That just ate anything you put into it. Just vanished it. Just noped it out of existence. And you see the way that Hiyama's older siblings use them at, at a point in a flashback. Where they were affixed to rods. And they were like, they were affixed to rods and they were like, um, almost... Um, Shinto sending rods, like like what you see Yuna use in um in um Final Fantasy X. But by the time Hayama has them, they don't have the rods anymore, and he like wields them almost like he's holding little discs in his hand, and he like he puts his middle he puts his middle finger he puts his two fingers behind them. Puts his middle finger through the, like, center hole that's probably supposed to represent the moon. And he holds the outside edge with his thumb and his index finger. I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now. And then he, like, slices with them constantly. And he can slice the entire center section out of a spirit. And just, like, eviscerate these spirits. And, and that combined with just, like, deeply, deeply nightmarish, raw, physical strength makes him terrifying. But the really interesting thing is not that... It's that, like, all of these, like, mystical qualities to this stuff, one of the ways that anime is really interesting oftentimes is that they apply these mystical qualities and then they show it to you and they make it real. It's not like uh, it's not like you have to imagine what this stuff does. You 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 get to goddamn see it. The same is true of the um Tensaiga in or Tensega, Tensaiga or Tensega. One of the, one of the two. They're both a sword in in Yasha. Of the sword, I think it's a Tensaiga in in Yasha. When Inyasha uses it, gets real big. Before he retrieves it, it's an old rusty piece of crap in the woods. And that quality, that spiritual quality, is the same quality that, like, makes these spirits exist in the first place. And it's this great, like, round... It's this great, complete circle of, like, okay, if you want to fight these things, clearly you have to have a knowledge of, like, these things to begin with because... Ye door poles could become one of these spirits, or could have become one of these spirits, but they didn't. Why is that? You'll find it out eventually, I'm sure. But it's just a really, it's a really unique take on like, oh, what would these people use to fight? Like, give them door poles and give them a cool fucking, give the door poles a cool fucking nightmare story. And then there's the like down part, down part, the down beats of this show. What I've given you so far is this 
portrayal of the show that can be very action-packed and has great fight scenes. And great and really interesting fight scenes because of the kinds of spirits that um, Hayama and others go up against and the way they can use those abilities to, like, choreograph fights. Um, the best fight in the show so far is the last one, which I believe is against um, is against Kai, who is the spirit, who is one of the three great spirits of this area of Japan. I think one of the three great spirits of Kyoto, I think is what they say. And he is straight up, he is a suit of armor. And he, but he can use every, a, a traditional Japanese set of armor. And he can use every part of the armor. The spear, the blade on the helmet, the sword, the, the padding. And he is so strong because he can he has access to all of that. And he's just like, he's unstoppable. And the show shows that and it shows the interesting, like, dynamic of fighting something like that. How kind of terrifying and annoying it is. But the other thing about it is, by the end of that, by the end of that fight, they have a hilarious gag where you, where you're like, where the show almost remembers, like, oh hey, yeah, Kai is technically sealed in this in this like holding cell. That's why you have, and the only reason he stays in there by choice is because he made a pact at some point, and he, when he runs out of time. The seal shows up and shocks the shit out of him like it's a Roger Rabbit cartoon. And it's hilarious. And that's the... That's the downbeats at work. Like, the downbeats of this show are... Actually, probably most of the show that you'll remember. It's not about... Um, it's not about the fights. The point of this show is not the fights. Although, when the fights happen, they are really cool the point of the show is it's like i said earlier it's about trust it's about the kind of family dynamic of the nagasuki clan and of hayama in that nagasuki like household and because of that it can take these like great humor it can take these great moments of humor that are just hilarious and can like take really serious things and just just throw them out the window. So when um, when Kai is essentially toying with with Hayama, he has his like assistant, this young girl. I forget. Um, I forget Kai's like Kai's like but partner in crime, Itsuki, who is I believe she's the spirit of an old Japanese fortress. Create a barrier for 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 them to like have for them to go all out in so they don't harm anybody which is considerate and you find out later like and when you first encounter Suki, she's just kind of like a mystery girl in like a side episode in like a side plot of an episode when you encounter her again which suggests that she might have some strengths to her when you encounter her again it's Kai threatening her threatening her to try and get at it's um it's it's Nagi threatening her to try and get at Kai and like help Hayama and get Hayama the fuck out of there. And she gives this menacing, like terrifying dev, like you'll have to make it through me. And in the next episode, they made it through her. 
she was jacked. She, she wasn't shit. She was super weak. And she's like, ah, oh, we're almost out of time, bud. And then Kai gets the shit shocked out of him. It's just like... It's this perfect shift into humor that takes... That, like, dampens the seriousness of the moment in a way that, like... Not a whole lot of shows have the balls to do. Because they're too concerned with their own with their own story and, like, not giving you a moment to breathe because they want that kind of, like, ramped-up tension. And it, it's, like, that's just a great... That's just a great, like... Mo it, it provides so many great opportunities for, like... The story to show its stuff in a way that's not... That, that gets to be serious but doesn't... But can shift back and forth quickly. So like, there there are moments when it'll start out jokey, but then a character will be like, "And you know, like, yeah, we have fun here, but this is serious." Um, or it will start out jokey and it will stay jokey for like a while, and like that, and like the the or like there's a there's a marriage premise in this show, of course, because it's got a serious romance angle. Honestly, it's a show about Trust and relationship building between two people who cannot trust for shit. Of course it's a romance show. Um, at its heart. And they bring up this marriage thing and essentially basically say like, you guys are engaged now, technically. Like, in, in all, in entire Nagasuki's house's mind, Hayuma and Botan are an item. Until otherwise stated. <laughs> And it's played off as a joke, but the entire end of the show is a montage sequence of them getting married. So it's like they introduced this important note in the show as a gag, essentially. As a, like, a just throwaway gag that, that they do expand upon and it's fun to watch and it's cute. It's a cute romance. But... They've introduced it as a gag, and that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of guts and confidence to do something like that. And I've said this the entire time, but I want to like end on this. This show, for as much as as much as it could have been a surface thing, it very clearly does something really well that I don't think lots of lots of shows, especially in the area of era of streaming, do very well. This show is very clearly has a pretty deep and pretty interesting world. It has these unwritten laws, like the one that we the one that we know I think we know about too, but the one that you first hear about is no one will make use none will make use of Nagasuki Botan. It has this whole power structure that is very clear and very defined if you if you're looking at if you're looking for it. It has the like spiritual world element and there are these big three nightmare spirits. Um possibly big four. One of which we've met. In the form of Kai, the in the form of Kai, the suit of armor. 
or Kai, the Japanese armor. Um, and that, that oftentimes, it's like, you can allude to that and not give people enough, or you can allude to that and give people too much, but oftentimes what happens now is something like, um, Pacific Rim, the black, is what we get a lot, which is, they only tell you what they need to tell you because they know they're going to get a second season. And this tells you enough where if, like, this was all we were getting, it would still be an interesting watch. You would, you would get, you wouldn't get a complete story, but you would get enough of the story where it would be satisfying. You would get enough of the, uh, enough of, of you into this show, into this, like, the reality these characters are living in where it makes sense. It, and it's not because it's, it's paced, part of it, the way they do it, they pace it really well. One of the dog shit things, the dog shit thing about, um, and I understand why it's this way, about Attack on Titan, it is pacing. Attack on Titan's pacing is atrocious. It takes forever to get to its fucking points. This show gives you the information you need when you need it and it doesn't feel invented one of the so like i said i was watching um my hero at the point at which we are in my hero they're just making shit up as they go like they're introducing characters and then giving you their backstories only for them to die like like in the course over the course of like one two three episodes they're explaining how characters exist when you need to care. They're in, they're doing the like emotional manipulation work of explaining how why characters are the way they are so you're more attached to them. The, everybody loves Hawks. They did that with Hawks. Like Hawks, like they they straight up are like this is this is Hawks' deal. Care about him now. We've decided we've decided or this the creator of this thing has decided you need to care about Hawks because he wants to do some Hawks shit. So here's Hawk's story. And say what you will about like the super long shonen like um One Piece. But they do a pretty like One Piece does a pretty good job of filling in side characters on the way to where it's going. Like I I on TikTok I saw a clip of the Axe Hand Morgan episode of One Piece, like, a, a, a original run, first 12 episodes of One Piece episode. And if you remember the Axe Hand Morgan episode, his son eventually becomes, like, a key side character in the, na- in the Navy, alongside the one of the characters that Luffy meets in the very first episode of One Piece. And they set those two characters up totally separately, and then they are attached at one point, and they, you see them way into the future. And then you see them again way into the future. And so you, in that kind of cool way, this show gives you char- other characters you can follow up through the show other than the main characters. That... That takes a lot of that takes a that takes thought and takes awareness of your world in a way that I think that um, 
Mononogatari has in spades because you see that in the like in the um in the Katamori's fashion company you see that in the way that the world is spoken of the way that like every that all these characters know all these things about each other and the world and what's important and what's not and like the the, the character named um character named what's his name um the fan guy the the another character who's a spirit who is um so clearly like like he is a arbiter of sorts oh algae algae is this like inspector essentially he's this guy who's supposed to investigate like oh this weird guy showed up in the nagasuki fan in the nagasuki clan's house well Better go pay him a visit. Better make sure nobody's breaking that unwritten law because that would cause a war and that would not be good for anybody. Okay. Uh, and and everybody, and rightfully, most of the Nagasuki house hates his guts because, like, they've probably been getting visits from him. Like, every every time somebody, like, one of Bo, Botan's friends from college comes over, like, to hang out and write a paper, like Algy might show up and be like, "Hey, um, is she? Is this? Is this random college girl about to abuse the powers of the Moribito and cause a and cause a um spiritual war?" And they're like, "No, you're in the same English class, you dipshit. Go away before she sees you, you freak of nature." And. All those rules feel like they connect and like they're, they have value. They don't feel rushed. They don't feel misplaced. And that, that makes for this show to be a, a good time. It, it, this show is just like a, it's, the show is a good time because you can sit, relax, and just watch it and be very good with that. Or you could sit and like, or you could just watch the whole thing through and through. It's got action in it. It's certainly got romance elements that in the second season will probably come more, much more into play. It's got a real emotional core that's about something that I don't think is tackled often. In the form of this show is about learning how to trust again and learning how to trust not just another person, but how you exist as someone who doesn't trust anyone. Because while um, Hayama's mistrust is aimed at the spirits, Botan's mistrust is aimed at everyone. By the end of the show, she gives she gives the main she gives the main character the um, audience just her life story, and she sent she says. Like, I, the only way I can survive is by not trusting anyone, by not making any meaningful relationships. And the, like, true, like, finale moment of this show is when Hayama is like, you can trust me. I will protect you. I'm not going anywhere. And at this point, she told Hayama what the deal is, and that was his response. And... 
she has a moment of hope. She has a moment when she says, I'm going to choose to believe you and I hope I can. And it's kind of beautiful and great and sad and melancholy and all that stuff. Um, so on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, the next Sunday edition will actually be next Sunday. I think I lied last last episode, but will be next Sunday. But will be this Sunday rather. But Sunday editions also go out as videos over on the YouTube channel. So I will leave a link to that in the description of this episode. I will also leave a link for you to follow the podcast on Instagram. Um, and if you're wondering what that Instagram handle is, it is lunchbox radio underscore podcast over on Instagram and I post all kinds of anime stuff and I promote the podcast and all that fun jazz over on my Instagram feed. And on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk to you on Sunday.
기고무가요저번어마히모토르세가이다오모이데니마모란데마다라네부리니투쿠노라로기에유쿠이노지리아야토르야가테고메라가수레데幸せだ